AG1 is a comprehensive and convenient blend of over 70 high quality ingredients. And what that means is each morning when I wake up, before I do anything else, I drink AG1 to set me up for the day. It keeps me clear headed, full of energy and focused on whatever I need to do, like writing the fighting cock, for example. One scoop once a day before breakfast and that's it. I've actually found that I've not been needing coffee in the morning to get me started. I've still been drinking coffee because I love coffee, but it's not because it's like a necessity to do so. AG1 is made out of the highest quality ingredients subject to the strictest manufacturing standards. AG1 is NSF certified for sport and this process involves exhaustive testing and verification that every serving of AG1 is exactly what you see on the label. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs for your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock. That's drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock to get started. And to help the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the show. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Summer's not over yet. Shop patio furniture to extend your summer fun at NFM. All the outdoor styles you love are on sale and ready to take home today. Shop hundreds of options in stock with savings up to 70% off, all backed by our low price guarantee. Shop outdoor dining, sofas, bistro sets, fire pits, accessories, and more. NFM makes it easy with in-stock styles, guaranteed low prices, and long-term financing. Refresh your outdoor space at NFM. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. 
Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. All right, so Defying Cock returns. This is the introduction, as ever. We talk about Bournemouth and Dortmund support and whether or not we'd want a manufactured atmosphere-building kind of support at White Hart Lane. If you're interested in listening about Tottenham, as you have been over the last five years of the, the podcast, then listen to the first half. The second half has nothing to do with Tottenham at all. So. Listen to it anyway. No, they don't have to. They, listen they to do. It. Do if they? you subscribe, listen from beginning to finish. I demand it. The second half has nothing to do with Spurs. Don't care. OK, right. Well, Flonis has spoken. Listen to the second half. We're talking to Jim Irwood, who's a former football agent. And he'll, if you have any worries about what is wrong with football, then Agent Irwood will confirm all of those worries. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. The Fighting Cock is back once again. It's episode 33, season 5 of the Fighting Cock podcast. Welcome, gentlemen. We in here, man. We in here. We've got Flonius Filth Hello. up in this bitch. Up in this bitch, up in this mother. Up and in for here. the first time ever, ever, we've got Cal. It's fucking long, long overdue. It is. And my, my plan to take over and destroy this podcast begins today. Ricky, <laughs> Ricky said, what competition did you win to get on it? I don't know, some sort of stiff idiot competition in you know, <laughs> the back of his magazine. How the fuck knows what happened? Uh, Harry Kane scored two goals against Bournemouth yesterday. Wicked. He did, he did. He looked amazing yesterday. He did look amazing. The story's just come out about him uh, wanting to, dreaming of breaking Alan Shearer's Premier League goal scoring record of 260 goals. Uh, he scored 45 goals now in two seasons, uh, which is an incredible haul, uh, if you think about it. Um, hang on, that's going so well. 
he's the first Englishman to score 20 goals in uh, consecutive Premier League campaigns. Uh, sorry, he's just sorry. He's the fifth Englishman to ever score 20 goals. Since 1992, when football was invented. Yeah, exactly. And also, he's the first first player to do so mm. since the great Martin Chivers in 1971 and 1972. Uh, he's in company in terms of Premier League era with Shearer, Ferdinand, Andy Cole, and Robbie Fowler. So that's some list. Uh, he's also two goals ahead of Jamie Vardy and Romelu Lukaku. And no English player has topped the scoring charts in a Premier League season since Kevin Phillips in 1999 and 2000. Yeah. So that's a lot of old school names. Fowler, Shearer, Cole. Yeah. That's a lot of old school names. So it's been a long time since start, he's been an English striker like he that. He started the season on the drought as well. I mean, I think there's a meme going around, you know. I gave everyone else a head start and now I'm ahead of everyone. It's just, you know, it's a bit like Usain Bolt running with people who can't run fast. Yeah. yeah. And overtaken them. Imagine it became as, as prolific in the first part of the season. You know, he didn't start scoring until about a third of the way through the season. Yeah. We, and last won. season too, wasn't yeah. it? He didn't start to like November last year so as well. So that even makes his feet even more We'd have wrapped the league up by now, but that's another talk show altogether. Yeah. There's someone tweeted us, I can't remember. No, actually, EBPP on Twitter, he said, uh, it's so Spursy that Spurs have scored more and conceded less than any other team in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, and we're not top of the league. Yeah. <laughs> But there we go, Cal. Yes. So tell us about your credentials as a Spurs fan. Why are you Spurs? Fuck, it's, uh, it's like, it's odd because my old man's from Bury, so he's Man United, naturally. Right. Um, my older brother's a gooner. Uh, my younger brother doesn't like football. My other younger brother's Man United and my other younger brother's Chelsea. So I have absolutely no right to support Tottenham at all. Right. I just... Out of all of them, you've made the, the best know. choice. Well, my older brother, I like to say to him, because he's a little guy, he's like five foot seven, and I say, look, you're the failed prototype, I'm the finished article. Oh, right, and that's yeah. why I'm a yiddo. Yeah. All right? that's, that's exactly what that is with him. They're all a bunch of fucking misfits. So um, what were you just chose first? They resonated yeah, with you for some reason? Just, I saw them on the TV, on the news, whatever. It was, I was probably around eight, so that's 91, around the time we won the cup. We last won the cup. Yeah. So that was what I think that's probably what got me into it, a proper glory hunt of me. Um, and so that was it. I just followed them ever since. Proper armchair fan, and then didn't go to my first game. Game till around two thousand six, two thousand seven. Torino in a friendly at home. I remember it. Yeah, friendly. yeah. When we so, had the glamorise. Uh, yeah, the, uh, I sat in the Paxton, yeah. right next to where the Torino fans were. So I'm thinking I'm sitting in. Oh, this is the fucking hard course in the Park Lane. You mean? No, in the Paxton. Torino so fans. Torino fans there. No, Park Lane. He was in Park Lane. No, I wasn't in the Park Lane. I wasn't. So, so Torino... you must have been a cluster of them. They must have snuck in. No, no. I was the Torino fans were on my right. Right? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, they were on my right. Yeah, that game. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but that I was. I was in the Paxton and they were there. There was loads of them there, and I thought, fuck me, I'm in the hardcore section. This must be the hardcore section because the away fans are there. Yeah. Now I know that's all completely not true. But yeah, yeah. and then I, st- I st- you know, uh, I, like I said, all my friends are Man United, everyone's Man United, everyone I know, so just went to the odd friendly and then last couple of years met T and now I go fairly often now yeah pretty what, good uh, who's your favourite ever Spurs player? Uh, when I was a kid it was Teddy Sheringham uh, it was Teddy Sheringham for a long time 
gutted when he went to fucking Man United for so little money as well. Yeah. Like, and then after that, it was Chris Armstrong after that. Um, David Ginola. But yeah, Teddy Sheringham, I'd say. So going to Lady King testimonial and seeing him score that goal, that was fucking amazing. That was brilliant to see him score right in front of me. It was a good amazing. Night, that was a good night. Best. Still now, I haven't been to, like, you know, I've only been going for the last few years, but that is the best game of football I've ever been to. The Lady King testimonial was fucking amazing. Yeah, everyone talks about that, <laughs> doesn't they? Absolutely. Okay, so let's let's move on to uh, the football mm-hmm. uh, the weekend. Bournemouth. Oh, wow, we could do Dortmund. We, yeah, we, we should. We've got some stuff on Dortmund. Should we start with them? Yep. Yeah. All right. It. So it was a bit of a weird one because it comes back to the selection again. We were chasing a three goal deficit. It was always unlikely, but it was almost impossible again when you saw the team sheet and we discussed last week about throwing away the tie and uh, arguably you understand he's position in the second leg for not picking the first team but as a as a member of, of Tottenham Hotspur's supporting f- fan base I, I, was, I was disappointed once again um, the game didn't have the same kind of siege mentality as we did against Real Madrid where even though we were out of the tie yeah. the, the players were up for it the team was good um, but we kind of followed that up with a great result against Bournemouth, but there, there's a big, there's been a big argument about the flags and the the megaphone and the drums and the fact that they were allowed into the ground. In fact, we published an article by Martin Cloak from yeah. the Supporters Trust, and he was right, he spoke about this at length. Have a read of it; it's you know it's a good article. Um, what, what did you make of it, T? Um, I mean, this. It's hard to say. I mean, I, I, I was I was in awe of them when I when I got into the stadium and I saw them with their flags and their megaphone and drumming and all the rest of it, and it did kind of uh, make us think. Well, you know, why can't why can't we do the same? But there's a completely different fan culture over it. I think Martin Cloak mentioned in the article that you know one of the main guys, you know, probably head of their supporters trust or fan group, says um, they'd rather sing than the drumming, and that's what England are kind of known for, just for making up songs and getting that going more than having it being kind of orchestrated mm. and also in um, Martin Cloak's blog he mentioned Crackers who's been on this pod before did a poll about um, if the fans if the fans want um, orchestrated you know whether it's uh, megaphones someone leading the songs and everyone sings after them yeah it's, it's, it's a very difficult thing for us to kind of emulate what because was, if what, we if, he did a sorry did a survey he, he did a poll on what, you know Twitter you could do a poll what and he was says, the finding um, well, I think most of the people would have been wouldn't have minded orchestrated singing. There's one guy in the megaphone. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Someone's in a megaphone saying "We are Tottenham" and everyone follows after him. We are Tottenham from the lane kind of yeah. stuff. So um, I think the way it happens in in English football and what we and what we've often said in this pod is that often the best ones are kind of off the cuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, even at an 1882 game, we say you know Mesut Ozil is as offside and everyone laughs and carries on, and then the rest of the team get into it. I just don't. It's going to be something that... The, the utopia is that we don't need a block. Yep. And that everyone just gets on with it and sings and does stuff. But I think last Thursday connected the catalyst. I think today revived the lane Twitter account, kind of gone back on. And they're trying to um, recruit people to, you know, volunteer, whether it be making flags or, you know, well, not a TIFO as such. So I think the main thing I see from Thursday's game is that it can act as a catalyst for change and change for the good that our fans do start to Because we've got a new stadium coming up and we'd like to not lose any of the atmosphere in that new stadium. I I'm of the argument, because I mean, we, we started the 1882 movement, so we're, it's not like we're not aware that there needs to be some sort of proactive activism in bringing 
atmosphere back to the lane is I'm not ignorant to that fact and I'm not ignorant to the criticisms that have been thrown at 1882 for it being orchestrated support I don't believe that that's what it is I just think it's like-minded people getting together and it's always been that way I don't want what well, I I enjoyed Dortmund's fans uh, for what they did and the atmosphere and colour that they brought to their support I expected that of them and some of their chanting and orchestration was incredible to watch the bouncing up and down the whole segment in unison bouncing together was fantastic to see the flags looked good although to be fair what they had on the flags in my opinion was um, cheesy as fuck man it was, it was, it was people smoking marijuana, marijuana leaves on their flags but they had, um, they had about fuck the Europa League though no, that, no, that, Super League yeah fuck the su- Super League well, that's fine whatever I mean the, the political statements I get with I understand that I actually like what Holmesdale fanatics do in terms of the political statements and they use that opportunity for the attention they get in that section of the stadium to uh, be, be proactive and be political and try and change the game for the betterment of all fans and that's you can't deny I know they get a lot of stick for it but in my opinion it's a shame because you can't deny the fact that that's a positive thing yeah. um, would I want exactly what Dortmund have got in absence of any atmosphere yeah um, but not in the absence I mean the absence of any atmosphere I would but not in exchange for traditional English passion passionate support and against Arsenal it was as loud uh, as I can remember it and I know it's easy to get up for Arsenal but it was still better than what Dortmund did and the reason why it was for one reason only is Dortmund scored and there did seem to be no real rise in volume in their support it was just consistent throughout and that in itself you have to respect it's good, but, but it's, it's, they scored. Sorry, I think it's good they, when the crowd ebbs and flows of the game. Yeah, yeah, to a certain extent, I do. I, I get it's, it's, uh, why I lame. There has been times where the, the lows are so long. Even against Bournemouth at the weekend, yeah. we were three 0 up, and you know Bournemouth had a cheek for singing "This Place Is a Library" because, <laughs> in my opinion, one of the worst away supports I'd seen at Tottenham. I thought they were terrible. Very, very quiet for for away support. Everyone knows. I know it gets thrown at, at home fans. For, for for a lack of atmosphere in the Premier League, but everyone knows that the away fans generate the atmosphere, which is why the thirty pound wage, um, thirty pound price cap has been brought in for tickets away. Everyone understands the importance of away support, um, but there what it was too much of a lull. There was there was too many uh, too much time spent in that game um, it, with with it being a bit like a library. Um, one thing we all have to point out. Is that our away support is amazing. Yep. One of the best in the country. Any ground we go to, we are seeing the home fans and our away fans are amazing. So when we are criticising Spurs fans, we are aware that the away fans are amazing. I'm trying to think of the last away game I did. I can't fucking remember it. Palace away, when Ali got that goal. Mm. And I think I, I thought we outsung the, the home stuff and the X and a bit of the other away games. And our away fans are notoriously amazing. So um, it would be good to try and bottle that. Yes. And get them to our home games. I mean, the home fans are reactive, but I think I don't think it's an insurmountable task for no. for a good atmosphere at Spurs. I do. I mean, in, in an ideal way, it'd be organic. It's, I mean, I can't see it being as toxic as it was against Arsenal against Bournemouth. We're not going to get up for it. We just we just right. It's, yeah. it's just it's difficult. I think in, in the game against Bournemouth, I'm not sure if you agree, uh, Cal, yeah. but in the game against Bournemouth, it would have benefited from having a section of the support that was singing regardless um, 
we were 3-0 up. There's a lot to sing about. We're chasing Leicester. Leicester City, we're coming for you as the, yeah. as the chant went. Yeah. You know, there was a lot to chant about, but the atmosphere and energy in the stadium just wasn't there. And it's because of the expectance. It's because yeah, we, we expected to beat them. And there was no shock in the fact that yeah. we were much, much the superior team. Yeah. And it makes you makes you worry. Makes me make, first thing I think it makes me worry about next season. Yeah, because we're in the Champions League and we're expected to start beating teams, start beating teams like Bournemouth. Even you, you can feel it in the pub sometimes. You'll be in the bed and head before the game. You'll be in the garden. It'll be half empty. It'll be really quiet, and you think. And it makes me worry as mm. a fan because it, that you, we take that into the ground and we sit there expecting. As Tita said in a long time ago, we sit there with our arms folded, waiting to be entertained. Mm. And that worries me a lot about um, about next season and going forward. Um, yesterday, I thought yesterday was okay. I was there yesterday. I thought it was all right. I thought the atmosphere was all right. I thought yeah. against. To be honest, I thought against Dortmund, it was, we weren't great at all. And it made me um, think about what Bardi said a few weeks ago, where. The Dortmund fans were looking looking forward to coming over, yeah. and they were looking forward to experiencing this old stadium, this old stadium, and the Tottenham fans, and what we'd be like. And we didn't give it to them, and we didn't give it to them. I thought we were really, really disappointed. It, it, it was disappointing to me as well. But then you watch a lot of the Champions League games, and clubs come over here, and I mean, Arsenal, Man U, Chelsea, City. None of the fans came up for it. I mean, City don't even sell out their home Champions League games, so you know. We've got a very, very good chance to get Champions League yeah. football next season. Yeah. And I feel that our fans are going to hopefully show the way. Because they've got faith in us. I mean, I remember the um, the Young Boys game when we beat them 4-0. From the first whistle, I think, um, Crouch scored in opening five minutes. Yeah. Crowd erupts, game on. Mm. Um, the first home game was against Twente, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And the crowd was immense then. And I, and I feel we, we can... We mean 4-1, didn't we? Yeah, I think it's 4-1. Rafa van der Waal gets sent off That's and misses right. the Inter Milan game and yeah. all the rest of it. So... I would like to think that we are going to bring some atmosphere to the to the Champions League, and I don't think we'll need drums and all of that. I, I don't. I, I think our return to the Champions League will show us. Will will we'll, we'll demonstrate some of the more passionate support from English teams in in the competition next year. It's it's the next year after that that worries me, yeah. and the year after that. And I think actually, with the new stadium coming along, there is an opportunity to get the get like minded fans to sit together in the same block. Um, I know Levy's been on record at the uh, AGM uh, uh, saying that he's willing to talk to supporters groups and that is ongoing. Um, uh, the Fighting Cock in 1882 will, will happily talk to them and give give our advice about what should be done. And I don't think that is massive banners and massive flags and capos and chanting. And it, it, From my perspective, as someone who's been involved in 1882 from the beginning... What I would be advising is just getting like-minded fans together who can sit together, who won't be pestered by stewards, that be able to support in the way they want to. That doesn't mean 12-foot flags being waved around with marijuana leaves on them. Yeah. For me, it's just, look, if this game warrants a certain level of support and it happens to be an uh, organic thing, then this group of the sta- this area of the stadium will be where that atmosphere is generated from because we won't have Park Lane and South uh, sorry Park Lane and um, the Shelf Lower that's what I wanted to talk about in that um, in the current stadium we've got two blocks well two kind of semi-blocks areas yeah, yeah, yeah two yeah. areas where fans sing and I would like to think that the new stadium we can have something similar to that where okay you're not going to rebuild the shelf as, we, as it was in the 80s and before but it would be nice if there's a little group in the corner, singing back at the cop end, which is what it will be. It'll be a single tier stand. That would be great. And that helps generate sound across the whole stadium. 
and yeah, I mean, in, an, in, an, in an ideal way, that area of like-minded people would be bigger than just one block. It'd be two thirds of the stadium. Yeah, yeah, ho- hopefully, and, and it may well end up that way. But the fact is, the stadium won't look like anything like it does now. There will be no identifiable areas or, or corners because it'll be a circular thing apart from the cop. Um, I'll come on to if I forget to say it, please remind me. My my. my uh, I've got like a conspiracy theory about the cop <laughs> and why it's going to exist. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, there won't be that identifiable area. What I love about the shelf side now more than Park Lane is you look around and it still has like some old school, proper Tottenham old boys. Yeah. You know, people have been going, they'd seen it all. and uh, that's, that's, that's part of my problem, but go ahead. Yeah, I know. No, I get, I get that there is a, an issue in terms of the the old school traditional way of supporting and, and, and people getting older and older and, you know, less willing to generate atmosphere. But that, the, the heart of atmosphere at Tottenham is shelf lower, uh, you know, blocks 31, 30. Uh, absolutely. Sorry, um, 30, uh, yeah, 30 31. 30 31. Yeah, 30 that, that, that's, that's the heart of Tottenham. That's, that's um, what's representative of what has always been great about yeah. the support, I think. I mean, look, I'm going to be fortunate. I'm no spring chicken myself, <laughs> right? But... You look at the old classic Spurs pictures where, I don't know, Jesus saves, Aussie scores a rebound, you know, people with bed sheets in the stadium with all kinds of slogans written on them, Greaves runs out the tunnel, got up the Spurs and a flag behind him. And those fans are all young. You look at the, you look at in the 70s, you know, all, of the, well, all the early 70s away days, the old fans all look young and fresh-faced. And um, we need to have some incentive for the younger fans to come and support our club. And a lot of that is based around price. I'm kind of going Absolutely, a bit yeah. off topic here, but yeah. no, all right, I would right. like to think that the new stadium will find a way to accommodate younger fans, whether it's under-18s or students. And um, even in, OK, God forbid, we probably will reach Europa League in a new stadium. There's got to be incentives for local schools and local people, local to N17, who support them. Because people, yeah. the local people are the ones who matter the most. There's a lot of people who... And even yourself to a degree, where your family live nearer to Tottenham than they do now, mm. and they've all moved away. People move around the country. That shit happens. But I'd like to be, to, to be some newer, younger families who support oh, Spurs in like the seventeen. I think it's a little bit. It's, it's a utopia. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah. I'm not saying it has to happen, but I think it would be great if we can have more initiatives towards people from N17. I think the bigger stadium will enable that to happen. I do. I, I you know, there's. We're not. I think you're living in a dream world if you think that we're going to sell 61,000 every yeah, week you've taken the most out of like, like you just said T it boils down to price and we can't be selling tickets for 60s and 70 quids and thinking that we're going to sell out 60,000 it ain't happening Champions League or not I love to believe that Tottenham are the biggest club in the world and that we'll sell 60,000 piece of piss it ain't happening mm. they, need to, they need to be sensible the club and they need to look at there's no way the club are stupid enough to think that they, they, they're not they understand it and there will be untold opportunities and to do these community incentives and to, to get people like you imagine 1882 at, at, at White Lane as it stands imagine 1882 at every cup game that we could do because yeah. we, we haven't been able to do one proper 1882 this and season. And it won't next season either because we'll be in Champions League. So yeah, absolutely. Know. It'll be the same issue next season. And many people will think, oh, 1882 failed. And actually the success of Tottenham made it impossible for 1882 to, to exist this season. And I wouldn't change it for the world because this season's been fantastic and fans have enjoyed it so much. And fucking that's, that's ultimately what it's all about. Just as kind of a closing point to the whole Dortmund thing yeah. is that in the rounds before, we had incentives for families to come and watch Tottenham 
four for sixty. Was it four for forty? Mm-hmm. I forget. I forget now. Four for sixty. Four for sixty. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think for the new stadium, for the new stadium to flourish, we should we should have more families come down to Tottenham. Not when they play Arsenal, because that's just, um, you know... Not going to happen. That's malevolence. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but no, I, I think it would be good in the new stadium to influence younger fans and more local fans to come and watch games. I think the, the Norway Supporters Club secured 150 tickets for local school kids. Mm. And I'd love to see that happen more with our, with our new stadium. I'll tell you what, because it, it's great about us saying we'd love to see it. We hope it should happen. We've got to do something about it. We, yeah. it's, it's easy to talk about this stuff, and so many people do in, in the problems that happen in society, politically, wider society, outside of football. We must do something to change it. Let's the fuck it as a fighting cock, as the, you know, the limited amount of exposure that we do have to the Tottenham fan base. We will talk to the club. We will try and represent the, the views of, of the people that listen to the pod and are involved. And that isn't our views, me, you, T, yeah. Bardi, Windy. That's not us. That's us asking, you know, and the people that, that, that talk to the trust, what, what's important to you and how can we use the little influence that we have managed to generate over the last few years to make sure it's a better place for everyone to go to. But you know, anyway, yesterday we won a game. We, we did. did fucking win a game. <laughs> we so did. Right, right, come in quick, James, quick come in. Yeah. All right, so I work with James. We've been talking to Jim Irwood. We are, are we still going? Yeah, we're we are. Going. Okay. Hello, everyone. All right, this is James from Ball Street. Um, we're just about to talk to, uh, about Bournemouth. You didn't watch the game. You can't smell the alcohol when you listen to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can when you're in. I'm about three quarters. No lie. That bell's in. All right, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> um, what do you think of Spurs' this season so far from an outside perspective? So you're a QPR fan. Yeah, um, I think it's just something to be really excited about. It's... Uh, you haven't bought it. Um, you've got players who've come through the ranks, which is all you, you just want. To be. Any football fan just wants to be proud of their, their team and, and proud of the people that are involved in it and feel like you're doing something that's genuine and real. Mm. And that's exactly what Spurs are all about this year. So so from an outside perspective, that's what it seems like it's happening at Spurs. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah, God, we've got all the ingredients. You've got homegrown players who are young, who don't seem flash and full of it yeah and you're doing well and they're English like, you know, amazing one, one, one of the things I knew that we'd, we'd get on alright and be able to work together is the, the fact that you came to this conclusion that you hate Arsenal and before before joining Ball Street and working together you, you didn't really hate Arsenal at all no no I, do, I think everyone most people go oh you know they're, they're nice and they play alright football but um, yeah the delusion of some has uh, <laughs> has has got to me, Flav. And uh, yeah, I definitely I, we can't have Arsenal win the league this year. No, no chance. They're all going in the bin. They're all going in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. James. No worries. From <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. So let's talk about Bournemouth. We've got um, uh, a kind Yours. of. Yours. <laughs> 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 it was eighty-one aggregate, isn't it? Eighty-one on aggregate. Yeah. They. Gives us again. Do you yeah. know what? I looked across when I was sitting at the uh, shelf upper and I looked across and I was like looking at Boric and I was like, fucking that cunt ain't a professional footballer. No <laughs> way. Look at the state of him. They also had that defender, uh, a centre back, uh, number four, I think. You join almost. Cook. I think his name is Cook. Cook. I wrong. He had, his, he had his shirt tucked into his trousers, oh, uh, into his, into his shorts. shorts. Yeah. No, no, style. No self respecting Premier League footballer since Scott Parker tucks his shirt in. Yeah. 
No, it's not done. acceptable. No. No. And Scott Parker carried it well. He looked like he should have been played in the 50s, shouldn't he? He had the black boots, he had the hair. He, yeah. he can get away with it, but this can, no. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, sorry. Well, this, this, is a, in, this is the first in a number of games where Leicester played before us. They put the pressure on us by winning. The other lot in North London won comfortably the day before. We came into the game thinking, oh God, our, our Bournemouth's going to do it because they are unbeaten in, away in 2016. And we scored within 44 seconds and that just kind of calmed things it down. It was like it was nothing. And, I, I, and that's te- testament to, to where Tottenham are now. Yeah. Because I actually, I, I, I was playing a bit of FIFA, right? As I do. Before, before I met my dad, I went and met for a pint and, and my old man was coming down and I had some time to kill and I thought, let me just whack on a bit of FIFA. Quick, quick game, quick game. Because I, 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 know, I haven't played it for about five or six years. And I'm back into it now in a wow. big way. Yeah, so if anyone wants to challenge me at FIFA, um, bring it on. Bring it on. My, my handle on the PS4, all right, is Flaccid Beetle. <laughs> it used to be Flaccid Beetle Cock, but, <laughs> but it, um, I got banned from like the PlayStation Network for having cock <laughs> in my name. <laughs> fucking children play on there, you animal. The Flaccid Beetle. I don't, I'm not going to explain what that name means. If you know, you know. If you don't, then... Yeah, so fla- Flaccid Beetle. Anyway, uh, yeah, get, hit me up uh, if you want to play, and uh, I don't know what, where I'm going with this, but, um, but yeah, I'll, like sm- FIFA. I'll smash you up on FIFA. Anyway, I was playing FIFA, and, and I looked at my team, was playing, it was like Dembele, um, Kane, you had uh, Son, Lamella, and I was thinking, are Bournemouth going to be able to handle this? That was what was going through my head as I was playing. Are Bournemouth going to be able to handle this? Um, Dembele. Dembele has been a colossus all season. And I, I was talking to my, my brothers at uh, half-time and I was asking who was their, their man in the match and we were talking about the fact that Kane could score 30 goals this season. Yeah. He, could score, he, he scored 31 last and he could end up not being our player of the year. I don't know if that's ever happened. It, no. it will happen. If he scores 30 goals, he isn't our player of the year. No, no. Or, or, or is no, he? No, it, no. Dembele... Fuck Dembele has a shout. And Alderweireld, obviously. Yeah. So who, who's your so far? Toby. All day, is it? Yeah, Toby all day. He's just been amazing. He just has been amazing from, from the first game until now. I think he... The only mare I can think he had was probably Leicester in the cup at home. Uh, I think he had a. Did he play in that game? Am I being weird? Um, might, be a, might be a league game and Hoof jumps above him. No, I'm thinking of the cup game. The 2 2 when they scored and headed over him. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he bumped the first game at White Lane. Yeah, yeah. And then the Stoke game was the one that gave away the penalty. Yeah, and he, he was a bit shaky then, but other than that, he's, he's just been immense. Isn't a, couple of, a couple of people have said um, that he's better than King. How do you react to that? Uh, I don't think a couple of people have. Are we? Are we calling these people out? They, they no, did no, say no. sheepishly, didn't they? I want Callum to say what what, what he thinks of that. Is Alderweireld better than Ledley King? Get out of my club! Fuck off! You can no. I love Toby. I think he's great, but Ledley's gone. Just call him Can. Who? Alderweireld. He is compared to Ledley. He's a <laughs> fucking Can. <laughs> right, Ledley's an institution. Yeah. Right, Behave. Right. Apologise. Yeah. Look, t- t- pick pick Ledley King's best season and compare it to Alderweireld's at the moment. Is no. there much division? It's, it's, it's weird. It's weird because the best Tottenham teams came towards the end of Ledley's time at Tottenham. Yeah. So, um, mm. I the best season I've seen with my own eyes was the one with Woodgate. I mean, I think we let in the least amount of goals yeah, since eighty-seven. Goals. Was it nine, yeah, nine, was it? nine league goals. How many we let in this season? Though? Oh, I've got no idea. More than nine. I'm not going to try and figure it out. Oh, but, um, but no, I think with. Um, I think Alderweireld can be better than King, but I do feel that he's not long for Tottenham because um, what in world in world? Yeah, he said this yesterday. 
Well, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the agent in the second half, and you'll probably clarify what I've said. But um, I think there's such a paucity of central defenders in world football. You've got um, David Luiz going for fifty, um, Mangala going for thir- over thirty or forty, wherever you read. Um, Otamendi going for over thirty million. Alderweireld just twice to play any of those guys yeah, are. So um, you would think that. It's likely he's not long for Tottenham. So while he's here, we've got to appreciate him. Of course, I'll take stop. Stop. No, I'm not going to stop. I'm making a point here. Is King better than than Older Old? Well, I think as a Tottenham fan, I can't can't say anyone's above him. But Toby's Toby's immense. He's absolutely immense. And um, the fact that these are two partners, Kevin Vimmer and Vertonghen, and they both just look so comfortable Seamless. next to him. And on top of that, you've got the full-backs. You've got Walker and Rose having their best seasons of Tottenham. Yeah. A lot of that, that's Toby Alderweireld. And um, we are all privileged to see him at our club. Yeah, it, it is. is. And, and you would worry, given Fatonga's injury, that, 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 that Wimmer wouldn't be able to cope. But yeah. Alderweireld was responsible for, for, for Wimmer's form, in my opinion, in the same way that Dawson was brilliant next to King and, and not so great without him. How good would Wimmer be without Alderweireld? Another question, though. Does Jan get his place back? Yes. No. It's how, long, how long would you leave it? How long would you leave it? Because he's back. <laughs> Liverpool theoretically is the game he's back for. You put him back in. No, I think no, we've got Man no. U next and then Stoke. So no, what game would you? If he's not, match fit, he plays. No, he's not going to be match fit. Well, I don't think Vertonghen is going to be match fit for that game. And I, I think I like Vimmer. I really like him. I think he's absolutely. He's built a mixed like bag a unit. He's built like a unit. Mate, yeah. He means everything. Before in the air. he'd been thrust into the first team, yeah, yeah. he played like two games. Yeah, One against yeah. an Arsenal, against Fazio. So that's a write-off. Yeah. And even though he played quite well there, I think he played another game in the cup. Uh, in, he played Leicester at home as well. Yeah, yeah. League Cup where he did all right, and then suddenly he's he's one of our starting two centre backs. Doesn't he's credit fantastic. Go, doesn't credit have to go to Paul Mitchell. I mean, a lot's been made of um, yes. his recruitment. Yeah, and absolutely. Kevin Vimmer has been an amazing find, and yes. he's, as I said, he's looked at home. I mean, he's lucky that we've got. Our, I think the defensive six even of Dyer and Dembele in front of him, just amazing, yeah. and he's slotted in seamlessly. He looks a player. I mean, I'm not going. I don't think he's flawless. I think the West Ham game was probably. A mare that he had, but and he's not. He's human. Players, players have bad games, and, and it's fine. I believe that Vertonghen will come back against Man U, which is a home game, and it's easier for him to send him to a home than an away game because we don't really win at Anfield. So he might, he might not shuffle the pack for Anfield so yeah. much as he would for. Yeah. I don't see game. him coming straight back in. I think I have to agree with UT. I think a big game like Man United at home, like you say, I think a home game, I have to agree with you. I think Vertonghen may come in, back in for that. Um, Liverpool's going to be a tough game as well. Yeah. Uh, I can't... It'd be great if we kept a clean sheet up there, but I think if we do concede a goal, I think that would be the opportunity for Jan to come back in. Uh, I've got a question from James Swan, 88, and he asks, do we need to win all seven games to win the league, and will it even be enough? I'd, I'd be happy to win all seven. If we win all seven and don't win the league, I'll be fucking pissed off, T. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be pissed off, but um, there's not much more we can really do at this point. I'll be, I believe the Leicester home defeat was was terminal. Mm. <laughs> so you're writing us off, T. I don't feel very confident, no. Uh, yeah, it's looking like Leicester, Leicester's uh, performances, the way they're just eking out wins... Um, it is starting to look like they're going to win the league now. I, um, I don't think their luck can hold out. I think. I don't think they're lucky though. I think that. Um, I think we do need to win all seven games. They've been, they've been towing over the line though, T. They've been getting like it ain't like they've been dominating games. They've been, but they're doing. They've not been dominated. No, absolutely, but you can't do that 
you can't do that for another seven games. You won't be able to get your toe over the line in another game because game, football's so much about a game of inches that the, the luck will turn on you in a couple of those games and that's all we need. But we've we been need, saying we need that all season. But they face Southampton and I believe they play West Ham. I can't remember if it's home or away. Their last three games are quite challenging. They've got West Ham away and they had, I can't remember, they'd, um, they've got three hard, hard, home ga- uh, hard, hard games in the la- uh, and last... And they've got Chelsea games. on the last day, don't they? And we've got, we've got to Anfield and Stamford Bridge. They've not won at Stamford Bridge since 1990. They've won one to Anfield since the 80s, maybe. I think the Klinsman goal was in an FA Cup. So, but these are games that I'm not massively optimistic see, about. this is a new Tottenham. We beat them on the last day of the season. It's a new it's day. A new I was there. That's the time I've been to Anfield. Modric and uh, somebody else. And you know what else was, was, was about that game? A Man U fan went to the Liverpool end and put out a banner. I think it was 1918. Oh, is this when they won, they won the title? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 19th time? Yeah. And in, the, and in the Liverpool game on Thursday night, I think a Man U fan went in their end... And they, and they got, the, got the head kicked in. Might have it never went the wrong way around. But, um, oh, in the last week? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was a Liverpool fan um, unfurled... No, I don't know what the fuck they did. They just had a flag. They or, went in their end and they unfurled something and they got Mate, a bit of a shoe. Look, you, oh, you, dear, deserve, dear. you deserve it. Yeah, you deserve yeah, everything yeah. you get. That's a like, fair play, but that's gangster, man. Yeah, no, you're yeah, yeah. shoe for that's that. That's gully as shit, but you know, you know See, what you're doing. I was talking to my brother and he went, yeah, fair play to him. That's, but, that's my view. No, 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 I get it. Fair play if you go out there and hold your own. Fair play if you... But if you go out there and furl a banner and then take a paste in, that's... That's something else, in my opinion. That's like... No, I mean, that's, you know that's, the that's, risk. That's a martyrdom. Yeah. You know, a martyr. Do you know what the saddest thing about all this for Arsenal fans <coughs> is that we, uh, Spurs fans, could take an unfurled banner and nothing would happen. Not a little thing. Maybe a kind Not of... Not a thing. A Chianti would be thrown on you. Yeah, get a, bit, get a bit of hot tea, but our skin doesn't burn. We're gully. Yeah. We're gully. Easy work. Um, there was another question from Dave Bowerman, actually, which was, um, if the title chase went down to the wire, the last game, would you prefer an Aguero-type... Grand Slam finish or a boring easy triumph? I'd take the easy triumph. Really? Right. Yeah, I would because it wouldn't be boring. It would not be boring. Like a, a sustained, uh, convincing, like steamrolled victory to the title. It, there's no way that would be boring. Could you imagine? You imagine the moment. Look, look, look where we are now. Like the fans are going, oh, we're, we're t- uh, Leicester City, we're coming for I you. No, I didn't like I it either, but I understand the sentiment and the fact that the fact that the, 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 <laughs> the mentalness of Spurs fans being able to sing that to Leicester City fans is what's amazing about football, uh, completely, but um, it is completely surreal. But that, if we manage to sustain this form, and we win the league through it, that would be incredible. Don't get me wrong, right? If we were involved in that Aguero-type win, I'll, I'll, I want to cry. Be, I'd kill myself <laughs> because it wouldn't get better than that. We've done, we talked what? about this before. That would be it. No, yeah. Life would have reached this pinnacle at 34 yeah. years old for me. I want, I want the Aguero finish. I, 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 I know I've been a bit of sport, but do you know what? Um, someone, someone tweeted today that on the last day, if all three teams are in it, can you imagine how much, can you imagine how fucked up you will be that day? Yeah. I'm going to be in Newcastle regardless if I get a ticket or not. I've got my ticket for Newcastle, the train, and there. Just imagine all three teams. The team we don't name here. Us and Leicester, in it. Last day, point apart. Last minute, Lamella breaks through. Hits the post. Who comes in for the rebound? It's Carl Walker-Peters out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. He doesn't play football every 
for again. He doesn't need to play football again. He does. You know, you got the Spurs legends and that. You got like Steve Sedgley <laughs> yeah. and fuck I don't know, Oli Mora and some of some of the random players. That we can't walk a Peters for life. Yes, he for walks life. in every single game in a long fur coat. He gets sucked off yeah. for the, every yeah. day for the rest of his life I'd by a new thing. Yeah. King lifetime membership, yeah. walking in like a god Gully. for the rest of his life. I'd get, a, I'd get a gangster to punch my teeth out so I could suck Carl Walker Peters off properly. <laughs> With no teeth. With no teeth, so he enjoyed it. I'd be gummy as fuck. <laughs> gummy. <laughs> Gumminess. I want to change my Twitter profile from gully to gummy. <laughs> we've actually got, we've got, we've got to do the questions now. All right, all right. Yeah. We're not going to go for all of them because we're we're on thirty six minutes. That's all right. And uh, you know we've got the agent. Coming the out. first one's per- yeah. The first one's pretty yes no anyway. On. If one of our players dives to win a penalty that wins us the league, do we care? People nope. on Facebook. Nope. 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 Cards are part of it. Move on. Next question um, from South Dorset Sport Spur on Twitter. Should Spurs attack the Park Lane and in the second half? As a part and end shop with a bit more atmosphere than the Paxton end. Oh, I don't think it matters. No. The care. reason for that is because Paxton is technically our home end. And that's why they shoot there in the second half. Mm. I don't think it matters, though. Don't know. I don't, don't really think it Don't, don't no. care. Okay, question three. If we finish second and therefore without a trophy, how high would you rate that feat compared to, say, the cup wins in 84 and 91? Just examples. Is silverware the be all and end all? Yes. James, about 10 quid on Facebook. Yes, it is the be all and end all. If we don't win the league this season and finish second, it means nothing. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a barometer of progress, but ultimately in the annuals of history, it means nothing. I think it means something, and I believe that the annuals of history will change when looking back on the current era in the sense that. Um, no, it back doesn't. then, I don't. Really back, back then, there were less games to win trophies. Back then, though, the cups were a bigger deal, yeah. weren't they? The FA Cup in, in '84, '91, that was a we're, big, but, but, but actually, let me let me, let me clarify what I said there because it's not like I'm saying that four places a trophy and it fucking isn't, yeah. right? If we finish, second. if we finish second, right, it's not bigger than '84, '91. I'm not saying that yeah. for a second. Yeah. But it will be a big, it will be a big deal in the grand scheme because we're not finished second since 1963, and that's no, that's 52 years ago, 53 years ago, right? So it's a big fucking deal. It's the highest place in over 50 years. So that is a mass. That that's a big deal. It's not bigger than winning the trophy, but, but it's a big deal in league, itself. League, league placings don't mean anything. They they mean nothing. Leicester City at this point last year were bottom of the league. Ah, oh, no, actually that's not true. Two games ago, they were bottom league. That to win seven, they were, that to win seven of the last eight, and that's what they did to stay up. And now they're top of the league. The positionings don't mean anything. But Trophies they, they, they and silverware really. are the only only currency that a football fan has. And uh, finishing second now would be fucking. I'd, I'd be uh, very unhappy. I'd live with it. I can live with it. I can live with it. I'd live with it in the I'm, sense that, given what we set out to do this season, what would you be? I'm. Uh, I would. Well, it's that question, top four or silverware. For me, silverware all day long. I'd rather have an FA Cup all day long. Um, The way the season is, the way the season's gone, second would, I think two years ago, second, I'd be like, fucking yes. But I think this year, because the season's been so odd, I'm like... Because it's Leicester, that's I think it's, exactly, yeah, because it's Leicester. Yeah, if we were second to Man City, Chelsea or Manchester United, it'd be like, yeah, this is fucking great, we're above the scum, la la la. But... This fucking, season would be great, but we don't. Yeah. Just for the record, I fucking hate Leicester. I, I want them to go into administration. I want as soon as possible. Absolve. I want Leicester to absolve. Dissolve. I, dissolve. Yeah. I hope they absolve. Do it. I absolve hope is the wrong word. Yeah. What does it mean? I hope they do a QPR. It means they kind of um, absolve someone of guilt. I'll kind of absolve them the guilt of punishing Spurs fans from being. With it. Anyway, I'm not going to say that. 
Last question. Fuck Leicester T. Last question. Fuck them. Administration. Every time I bring a lady friend over, mm-hmm. my dog insists on being involved. <laughs> he doesn't need much. In fact, he's quite content with just humping a foot. <laughs> but obviously, my guests are too keen on me inviting a friend to the game. All right. If I try to push him away, it just makes him want it more. What do you think is wrong with him? And what should I do about it? This is like no, ask, ask cor- no corn in my poo from the forum. Even the awesome name, awesome even the name. name is good. Um, I think what what should he do well. about it? I, I don't know. I'd like to say just embrace it. Like give your dog what he wants. I can't. I'm not allowed to endorse animal cruelty, so I can't say what I was going to say. So um, <sighs> look, get the dog neutered. Yes, that's not cruel. No, that's not cruel. No, that's kind of standard these days. Um, it's a big wide world out there. You've got Tinder, you've got all these fucked up websites. I like to say there's a market for everyone. So there's got to be, you've got to be able to find some skank out there that will do doggy stuff. I did once watch a porno and I saw, um, I did see a dog in the corner. It played no part in the movie itself, it was just there in the corner. And I'm just thinking, you know, that dog goes out in the annals of history. Well, good turn to phrase it, annals, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But no, the dog was just fucking there, just watching... Watching what, this girl what are you watching? Off. What are you watching, T? This geezer had a fucking cot, like a twelve-inch Subway panini as well, and a girl was proper sucking. Oh my god! You know what? I've set up it, but I've got to stop talking. I've said too much. But um, yeah, get the dog, get the dog, get the dog neutered. Is my advice. Um, yeah, just I've got nothing to say to that. I don't know why. See like, for that. A load of fighting cockers set a precedent for this type of question, and they're becoming more intense and more difficult to answer. Yeah. Because every answer we give exposes a little bit more about who yeah. we are. Exactly, it just peels a layer yeah, away. Yeah. I've just thought of an answer and I'm a bit worried. So I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm not going to answer. I'm just saying, like, lock your dog in another room. And yeah. Just, like, deal with a wife. Assert your authority over your dog. Yeah. Just lock it's it. It's your dog. Or just yeah, lock. Or just lock it away. Yeah. Or yeah. just put, put a dog. I, I'm not convinced on. this is even a real question. No, really, no. this is a guy who sat down and thought. Let me let me fuck these people up. Let's yeah. yeah. fuck their heads. Yeah. All right, that's it from the Fighting Cop podcast. No, no it's, not. it's the first half. Because Wendy's coming soon, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I'm drunk. That's what's happened. Um, again, uh, if ultimately the, because of the um, the international break, we, we we've divided this podcast into two parts as we normally do. But the second half isn't really about Tottenham. We had the opportunity to speak to a sports agent, a football agent, a, a former. Agent of of some Premier League footballers, but actually League League Championship League One. And, but now he's a talent agent, now isn't he? He's a talent agent now, uh, but he was a former football agent. Um, and we spent the next forty five minutes talking to him about all things, yeah, all things, all things agency. Okay, so if you only listen to the podcast, the Fighting Got podcast for Spurs related stuff, then you can turn off now. That's fine. But if you want to listen to us ask questions to a football agent about the inner workings, actually the underbelly of football, um, then carry on listening because it is a good listen. Mm. But before that, we have Windy. Yeah. Windy, about to drop the fucking knowledge, blood. I see you, I got your back. Hello and welcome to Windy's weekly window into the wonderful world of Spurs' youth players. I've got loads to get through this week, but just want to start off by saying how excited I was that Kyle Walker-Peters was on the bench for the first team at the weekend. That's a big step for him. I'm really pleased to see him getting some recognition. He's a terrific young player. 
Presumably he was there to cover the left-back spot, but he's predominantly right-back, as you may know from my updates over the years. He is someone I rate very highly. I expect to see him become um, a a first-team squad regular at Spurs within the next couple of years, so it was good to see him involved for the first time. On to the low knees. Alex Pritchard was in 73rd minute sub for West Brom. DeAndre Yedlin played a full 90 for Sunderland. Grant Ward also played a full 90 for Rotherham. Dominic Ball played a full 90 for Rangers. They were 2-0 up and lost 3-2. Ryan Loft was on the bench for Braintree. Connor Ogilvie has unfortunately damaged his ankle ligaments and it looks like his season is done. He'll be returning to Spurs for treatment. And finally, uh, Nathan Odewell hasn't, hasn't been getting in for Colchester. Their manager, Kevin Keane, said... There's a big difference between looking like a player and being a player, and that's what he's got to learn. Harsh words for Ottawa there. Moving on to the youth teams, uh, under-18s won 7-3 against Wolves on Saturday. The goals came from Jack Rolls, Tashan Oakley-Booth, Ryan Loft with two, Armid Ote, Joe Muscat and Dylan Duncan. It was under-16s midfielder Tashan Oakley-Booth's first start. He got two assists in his goal. Shiloh Tracy had a hand in three of the first four goals. And there was a debut for TJ Ayoma, a centre-back, another under-16 player. So this is a really encouraging result with a young side. Oakley Booth is incredibly highly rated and he's one to watch over the coming seasons. Over Easter, we'll be sending an under-19 squad to Dusseldorf to take part in the under-19 international trophy. We are in Group 2 along with PSV Eindhoven, Japan High School Selection, Borussia Mönchengladbach and Fortuna Dusseldorf. So we'll see how that goes. I'm expecting a slightly weakened team because we have a few England call-ups. For example, Walker Peters and Undermar are both with the under-19s. Alfie Whiteman and Marcus Edwards are with the under-18s. Jaden Brown, Jaffa Tanganga and Sam Sashua are with the under-17s. And I would imagine that Jack Rolls will be away with Cypress as well. So it could be a slightly weakened um, under-19 squad taking part in that. Our under-21s beat Leicester 3-0 last week. Sharon Harrison scored twice and Cy Goddard once. Kaziah Sterling made his second appearance at that level and a final counts had a fantastic game. Sterling's another player I really, really rate. I really like Sterling. He's a striker who can also play wide on the left. He's an exciting player. Nabil Bentaleb started the match and he came off injured early on in that game. So the rumour is he will miss the rest of the season. A couple of other bits of news to update you on. Um, firstly, it sounds as though, well, I've had conflicting information about Marcus Edwards' contract situation. So someone who I've had no previous contact with um, messaged me over the weekend and said he saw Edwards. He has asked him about his contract and he gave him the thumbs up. So that sounds promising. Other sources say he hasn't yet signed a contract. Um, I did spot his dad in the crowd at the under-21 game last week. I was so tempted to go up and ask the question. My understanding is that Spurs offered Edwards their standard young 17-year-old pro contract. Edwards, being the best 17-year-old probably in the country, um, turned that down, essentially, and wants more money, wants more recognition for for his ability level. Now, I could see it from both sides, but he would be mad to leave Spurs. He's got such a good chance of coming through at Spurs. Um, and I just don't think it will be a good long-term solution for him to, to leave the club. Other news is that Musa Yahaya has joined a Portuguese side, Portimonense. Um, I hope I pronounced that right, on a five-year contract. That puts paid to any rumours about him being on loan from Spurs. He had some kind of trial. He wasn't going to get a work permit. I don't think the club were that bothered about it either way. 
from what I can gather, he was not necessarily any better than what we've already got. I mean, he certainly would be better than um, a number of the uh, young players we've got in the other 18s and below at the moment. He's, he's no comparison for Edwards, for example. A um, couple of other bits. I will spend more time on these at some point. Firstly, just to flag up that if we do finish in the top four, our under-19 squad would be automatically uh, entered into the Champions League for under-19 teams next year. So that will be one to watch. Also, there are uh, talks going on at the moment that will see under-21 sides be entered into the Johnston's Paint Trophy from next year. So watch this space on that one. I'll try and do a longer update on that next week. I feel like I've been speaking for ages, so I'll cut it short there. If you're interested in more young players, follow me on Twitter at WindyCoys. That's Coys for Come On You Spurs. Second half of the Fighting Club podcast. Thank you so much, Windy. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Windy. We've joined by a former football agent. Is that right, Jim? That is correct. So you're no longer representative of professional footballs in the game? Uh, do I? I still have my hand in with a few, but no. As it stands, no, I am a, I am a retired football agent. Yeah, but you still work with... I still work with retired guys, people... Um, oh, well, a retired football agent, you're not retired? I, or well, both of them are? Well, it's a good question, because I do, I, I do get requests to, to, to look after players, but it's uh, the stories that we're about to go into will probably tell you why I don't want to get dragged back into it. Yeah. I'm quite happy doing what I'm doing. I'm kind of on the TV side of things now, um, and I look after a few ex-players, people like Jimmy Bullard, as you know. Mm. Um, so I'm kind of happy with my lot at the moment, and I'll, uh, I think I'll focus on what I'm doing. Oh, just as a quick, quick aside, we just started a boxing podcast, so you might have to get Carl Froch and yeah, uh, Froch, yeah. Tony Belly done. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be amazing. <laughs> anyway, anyone listen, listen to that? That's below the belt. You can find it on iTunes. Give it a download. It's us lot basically talking about football, uh, boxing. Yeah. Um, right, so we, had to, we put, it, put it out that you were coming on, um, and we got some general questions. How did you become a football agent? Um, well, I think like most football agents, like a lot of, well, well, actually I shouldn't really say that, most football agents now are in it just for the, for the, for the money, I think. When I first started, I, I mean, I, going back to sort of mid-90s, I wanted to be a player, like most like most football agents. I wanted to be a player. Wasn't good enough. Um, Realised I probably had more brains in my head than I do in my feet. Um, but wanted to stick around the business. You know, wanted to be around it. Wanted to be around football. And I kind of thought like a perfect opportunity to carve out a career and stay close to football would be an agent. I've kind of always been like um, quite a personable bloke and you know building relationships, whether it's with the chairman or the bloke who sweeps the stands. It's kind of my metier, if you like, my maven. Uh, that's expertise for you, Flav. Um, <laughs> um, that's what I'm good at. So I kind of thought it was like a natural career for me. So and, it, and and I wanted to stick around the game. And I wanted to watch football. So weren't you, you worried know. about what people thought of agents? No, because at the time it wasn't as bad as it is now. Um, and it, it sounds a bit it sounds a bit funny, but um, and I don't know if you lot would have seen it, but kind of when I was doing my last year at university, I was doing like a like a thesis on like agents and stuff like that. And it was, there was, uh, it's people had started to talk about the bad side of the agent business, Mm. but at the same time, Jerry Maguire came out and it sounds, it sounds a bit, you know, flaky, but kind of that's, it was a little bit of an inspiration because here was a guy who wanted to do the right thing and build um, a relationship with his clients, but obviously earn money for his, his company. And that's kind of uh, stuck with me, you know. That's kind of what I've, what I'm, what I'm all about. And perhaps one of the reasons, you know, when I say I'm a retired football agent, I think let's have it right. I'm probably a failed football agent because you've got to be 
you can we swear you got to be a motherfucking ruthless bastard to, yeah. to 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 do really well in this in, in this game. And perhaps that was my downfall. I was a little bit too honest, a little bit too a little bit too nice. And uh, football agent world, there's no there's no room for nice guys. And it ain't like a course you join, is it? There ain't like a, you got you essentially got a cut. I think these days you have to do some kind of course to be a qualified. What I mean is you, you cut your teeth by signing people up and convincing well, them that you'll do a good job for them. Or? The, the question you asked is a good one. Is that, again back in my day you had to pass um, the FIFA test and you had to get sixty six percent. And I, I, I took a couple of weeks off, went to Spain, and just got me head down and just put me head in his books. And it was tough, a tough old course. You had to be really smart. And I got 67%, so I scraped through it, literally. <laughs> literally scraped through. Um, but um, really, what qualified you as an agent? Like, a lot of people come to me now and say, you know, I want to be an agent. And really, unless you are the mate, really good mate, or a friend relation of a top, top players coming through, like, let's just say, for example, well, it's probably not great for a Spurs. Well, actually, yeah, Deli Alley. If you're Deli Alley's mate... Um, then you've got a chance, you know, and you can represent Delhi Alley. Chance are one of the big agents will come and offer you a shed load of money to come and be part of their agency. Um, so that's what qualifies you now. Back in that day, you kind of, uh, back in my day, it was more about, I had to sort of sign clients. I'll tell you what, I signed clients, you might not have even heard of this. It was before the days of Facebook. And I reckon I was the first agent to do it. Um, was Friends Reunited? Yeah. I don't know if people remember that out yeah, there, no, but course, that was yeah. kind of pre-Facebook and all. And I actually signed Ashley Williams through... <laughs> Facebook, the, the the Swansea player. I've yeah. contacted him on uh, Friends United, and and you know, again, oh, it's, this is only 1998, 19, well, sorry, actually a little bit late now, 2000s, uh, mid 2000s. But that's how you contacted players. That and go into the games and, and grabbing them after. But now you can contact them through social media, and it's a lot lot easier. A bit like a bit like Tinder. You can contact yeah. them. <laughs> swipe, swipe, exactly. swipe. Like in my day, pulling birds is all about talent. <laughs> <laughs> so you was, uh, you, that was one of the ways that you actually started acquiring players through social media. It wasn't even I, social I'm media. I'm telling you, I was the first agent to do that. Yeah. And that's not, that's not a massive uh, brag, but I just know I, know I was. Yeah. Uh, I just had to think more laterally because we were a small agent. Again, the way it worked, when I was, when I was an agent, there was, and it's, it's similar now, there was a few big guys there's a guy called Tony Stevens who had like Michael Owen and Anshira and, and then there was another company who had like Thierry Emery, Dennis Bergkamp and, uh, and, he, and if you're going to a young player and you say you represent Alan Shearer and Michael Owen it's, it's, it's no problem whereas we had two guys our big agency was, was two guys at <laughs> Blackburn and again you're trying to get a kid to come and sign you you're two guys yeah so what so you kind of had I to. Uh, yeah, to yeah. Lots of goals Tottenham, though, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Massive chain smoker. Massive chain smoker. And I, yeah, had a speech impediment as well. Brilliant. Yeah. What? Uh, what? Let's go back to Ashley Williams because that's quite yeah. a big deal. I mean, when you say agent, I suppose as agent is represent players from all levels. Um, but uh, yeah. you had Williams when he was a uh, Stockport. Yeah, I had him at Stockport, and he would just oh, like everything in life. Time was perfect for him. He just. He was doing. He was. He was doing like a, not Cheshireton, but like the northwest equivalent of Cheshireton World Adventures or whatever it was. I don't think it was Alton Towers, but something like that. He was on the rides and he he come through at Stockport and um, he was he was doing really well there. He was really well regarded and he hadn't had an agent and my t- he, he obviously checked his friends for United page regularly <laughs> uh, and um, he, we just kind of set up a meeting. Him, I think it was his mum and his dad um, at Tamworth Services. And that's how we started. They're proper brummies, the mum and dad, lovely people, brummies. The mum was like a machine. Like Every week she'd call her, have you got, have you got to move from my Ashley yet? <laughs> uh, she's lovely, though. And the old man, a top fella as well, Errol. Um, and, uh, again, newest football, 
lovely family, and it kind of, it, it was, again, he, they, I think he met like three or four agents, but there was an immediate uh, rapport between me and Ash, and uh, that's how that started, that one. And um, How did it end? Well, mm, unfortunately, kind of, he was one of the reasons why I left the game, because, because, um, no great loss, uh, but uh, <laughs> but I had just an amazing relationship with the guy, and, you know, he was at Stockport, and... Um, I'll never forget, it's a story that I tell often to my mates, but I tell you guys, it's quite, I think it's quite a good story. He was, uh, his mum called me out, I said, his mum used to call me out every week. He said, oh, you know, actually, he's qualified to play for Wales, don't you? I was like, well, the Williams name kind of gives it away, yeah, but I never really gave it, never gave it much thought. He goes, yeah, his, his granddad's Welsh or whatever. So he, she goes, oh, so I get on the blower to Dean Saunders, said, Dean, and John Toshat was a manager of Wales. I said, Dean, would you come and have a look at Ash, doing really well, you know, well spoke, well spoke of, but he'd lead too, you know? But actually, before I did that, I spoke to Ash. Ash goes, nah, Jim, I want to play for England. And I'm like, Ash, I love you, mate, but you're at Stockport County. <laughs> I mean, it's like John Terry, there's Rio Ferdinand. You've got no chance. But as it happens, if he probably stuck to it, he probably would have played. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but at that time, I said, look, Ash, look, look, just do, have a think about it. Play for, play for, qualify for Wales, get a few games for them. And at the time, Cardiff were the big club. Mm-hmm. I said, chance are Cardiff will come in for you or something like that. Because that's the way it's kind of happened back then. If you play for Wales, you... Invariably play for Cardiff. Yeah. Well, um, anyway, cut long, boring story short. Got him in the Welsh squad, started to do really well. There was a bit of a... Um, Peter Ridsdale wanted him, he was the chairman of, of Cardiff. But then Roberto Martinez came in late on the phone to me and said they wanted to take him on a loan with a view to a permanent. And he was stuck like somewhere on the motorway, somewhere on the M4. And he, he was, it was literally, he was going to go left for Cardiff and right for Swansea. And again... You know, I'd like to think that I'd sort of pushed him in the right direction. Swansea with a more progressive club. Yeah, Cardiff had Peter Ridsdale in charge. Yeah. Kind of so it, it, that that worked out really well. And again, our relationship. So I've moved into a Championship club, which is a great move for a player in Stockport, uh, League Two player. That's kind of a great move for them because not none of them really go from League Two to the Premiership. Moved him to Swansea, got him a great new contract on that, and. Um, you know, I put in the great clauses in his contracts. I did him a really nice contract, and the relationship was really good. And my first daughter was born, and he sent me presents, all the rest of it. But then, and this is kind of what's very prevalent in the in the agents' world, is that once you've got a play and he starts to do well, then you get the big agency sniffing around, and that wouldn't be so much of a problem if it's like the chief exec of a big agency, because someone like Ash would say, "No, you know, jog on. I've got my mate Jim who's looking after me," but. What actually what these agencies do is they recruit their big players to put their arm around them. So he got Rio Ferdinand to stick his arm around him. Said Ash, you know, who's your agent? And he's gone Jim Irwin, Galaxy Sports Management. Never heard of him. Pie him off. Come with my boy. And then that creates a division straight away. Or and then their agent will start to feed a little bit poison in his ear. Say, you know, why why are you still at Swansea? You, you haven't moved on. You know, you should be playing in the Premiership by now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I cut long story short, Ash. You know, and obviously as an agent, I wanted to move him to the Premiership. So I'm speaking to every scout, and every scout said, no, he's not big enough. Not big enough. Which is amazing now because Ash has done so so well in the Premier League. Um, but again, yeah, kind of in the end, it put. Um, it put like a fracture in the relationship and he wanted to go to a bigger agency who thought could get him a move to a premiership club. Um, Swansea actually got a move to premiership and, you know, seven years later, what clubs he still at? Swansea. So his agent hasn't exactly, you know, moved the, moved the, moved the ocean for him. So there we go. But that's, that's life. That's international football and no regrets. Lovely guy, lovely family. And um, yeah, just very, very proud of him. 
Um, obviously, there's a massive thing about from fans' perspective about loyalty in the game. Obviously, we love to, we like to believe. I don't really want to have this conversation. I feel like it's going to go well. <laughs> find out. I sort of did that, didn't it? Like, you know, find out the hard way. Yeah, and uh, then make your processed food. So I suppose we we have this song about Harry Kane. He's one of our own. Uh, yeah. We've got oh, this idealistic. I've got him top scorer, fourteen to one. By the way, fourteen to one. Oh, yeah, I put it each way though. A bit gutted about that, but 190 quid if it comes in. That's uh, going to come in. Yeah, guaranteed. sorry. Yeah, go on. The song about Harry. Yeah, yeah and, and we've got this, this this kind of feeling about him and uh, that he's, he's proper Spurs. And I know that you're feeling on professional footballers because I've mm. seen the interviews you've done previously. Mm. But you're you're of the school of thought that all players ultimately are holding out for that move. Yes. Yeah. Like, even Harry Kane. And, and uh, you know, and I'm in a better position to call it than the fans are, unfortunately, yeah. because I've seen it and I've lived it, and. That you, the fans are under uh, a miss, uh, miss. What's the word? They're under a disillusion, if, Misunderst- disillusion, yeah. misunderstanding. If yeah. they think that fans at their club, even when they're coming out with these, you know, I love it at this club. Even when, when there's speculation about one of your players, he will come out and say, "No, I'm, I'm, I'm more. I love it at Tottenham. It's my club and all the rest of it." Mm. Don't, don't you? Don't you think he's not onto his phone? He's agent. Oh bloody hell! Real Madrid are interested. What is the deal with that? Get onto that because that's the end of it. That's the long end of it. Every club, every player that I've looked after, whether they're non-league club, they're non-league player, they want to play in League Two. If they're League Two, they want to play League One Championship. League One Championship, they want to play Premier League. And uh, unfortunately, you can't stop there. And if they're at Tottenham, which is a great club, but there's bigger clubs out there than Tottenham. Mm-hmm. And if you're play- and, and if you're one of your players, even if it's Harry, knows that you know, and even Man- we know Man United have been sniffing around him. And if they come calling this summer. Obviously, the chairman's going to obviously put up a fight, and Harry will come out and say, you know, uh, no, no, I love it at Tottenham. But ultimately, he's probably on the phone to his agent. I hate to break it to you, saying, you know, is this going to happen? Or he's on the phone to Real Madrid, and he's, his agent is this going to happen? Yeah. You know, yeah. unfortunately, that's just the way it is, boys, because it's a lot more money, and it's and it's bigger. Although, I mean, you know, you, you guys are doing fantastically well this season. You're going to be playing Champions League, and there's no guarantee United and City are. But in terms of um, in terms of club, you I mean you can't really argue with, with United being probably the biggest club. I mean, from their point of view, that's what they're paying their agent for to get them the best out of their short career. I mean, um, well, that's the other thing. There's some, there's some players who are you know the next best thing, and now they're falling away. I mean, Rodwell was an example. Mm. I mean, he's gone to Man City, and now he's at Swan. Yeah, players like that who you know could have um, held out, did at their club, and got a better move. It, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's difficult because you talk about loyalty. And fans and, and club, um, sorry, uh, players not having loyalty to the clubs, but it's the other way around as well. Clubs have got no loyalty oh, absolutely not to the no, player. They'll no. pie it like if Harry Redknapp got injured, they'd ma- again they'd make all the right noises. Okay, yeah. um, who did I say? Harry Redknapp. Harry Redknapp. <laughs> 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 he, he is injured. He's ankles and he'll Yeah, but if, if the player gets uh, it does a career, you know, ultimately they're looking to get him off the books as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, whether he's been a Tottenham lad all, all his life, they're not going to keep him on a contract. So when it comes to someone like a Jack Rodwell, you know, you think, Jesus, this, this is a, this is a um, short career. You know, if I can go to Man City and get a hundred grand. Um, you know, rather than the fifty grand I'm earning at this club. Although, you know, how do you, you know, fifty grand is still a lot of money. Yeah, but yeah. so, so there's that argument. But essentially, you're right. I think um, agents are pushing players into those moves because at the end of the day, it's going to massively, massively impact on their on their uh, profit at the end of the season. I mean, do you think all oh, agents are um, selfish like that, though, in terms of um, not making as much money for themselves and not progress their players? No, no, I, I, no. Obviously, obviously, a big chunk of them are. 
Yeah. And 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 the big chunk and, and in the fans' eyes they are because really they're the only ones you really hear about in the press, you know. Um, but there are some really really decent agents out there who have made a lot of money because they've managed players in the right way. So they don't need to push those moves and they'll look at the long term. Uh, um, what's the word? They just look at the long term view, as view of, yeah. of, of moving this player and earning money consistently. Whereas if you look at Jack Rodwell, okay, he's now at Sunderland, but. He's probably lost. Um, he's probably lost some revenue, and his agents probably lost a little bit of revenue because he was mismanaged. But yeah, it's a tough one. So no, definitely you can't you can't put them all in, in that bracket. But yeah, Plus, I understand where you come from. What's the relation? What, what's more important to an agent typically? The relationship with a football club or with their players? Um, again, it depends because a lot of agents work uh, for clubs specifically. So obviously, West Ham would be an example. They have got one or two guys, preferred agents. And they will get um, a shitload of money from that club to go and recruit players for them, and at the same time to get players off their wage bill. Mm-hmm. So if they've got a, a, like an Adebayor, for example, um, you can bet your life a club will happily pay a commission to an agent to get rid of him, get him out the door, because it's going to save them ultimately a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So it depends what kind of agent you are. Um, a lot of, I think, the majority of agents um, work with players, and they don't really care if they piss a club off. Um, and the perfect example of that is um, the boy at Man City. What's his name? Sterling. Sterling. Oh, Sterling's agent. An AD arsehole, whatever his name is. Massive, massive bell end, you know, and, and gives, gives the agent name a, you know, a real bad uh, rep. Um, because clearly, you know, he's got a player that's in massive amount of demand. He's massively fucked off Liverpool. But the, what does he care? Because he's done a deal that's going to change his life with Manchester City. Um, so he doesn't really care about his relationship with Liverpool. And Liverpool um, will say they're not going to do a deal with him again. But A.D. Ward, if A.D. Ward suddenly rocks up with another player that Liverpool want, you might find that Liverpool suddenly forget it, you know, how, yeah. how we treat yeah, Which is a shame, really. It's a shame. Oh, and, and hopefully Liverpool... And, uh, you know, some clubs are taking a stand now. But, um, you know, more and often not, the player just... It's, it's all about that player. And, it, and whatever agent's got that player is going is to earn some money out of it. Um, obviously, the summer saw Berahino go on strike or more or less go AWOL from West Brom for a little while. Um, are we seeing a shift in power between from, from from players to clubs now that they're forcing players to sign contracts earlier on in their career? You very rarely see a Bosman, Bosman ruling on a player who, you know, for example, Sol Campbell left Spurs mm. and Levy, um, I think actually might have been after Berbatov said this is never going to happen again I'm never going to be held over a barrel by a player mm. and anyone on a decent amount of form gets signed up to a contract almost instantly at Tottenham yeah. a club's becoming savvy to, to obviously the, the well if they're not they bloody well should be and, yeah. and, and to be fair Levy's um, he's uh, have you had any dealings with him? No, I haven't, but I'm I'm good mates with Scott Smith, who's Andros Townsend's agent. Yep. Uh, Scott's a great agent, and his his dad was John Smith, who's one of the first agents representing a lot of lot of big guys, mm. uh, including Maradona, I think. Um, but anyway, yeah, he's he's had some dealings with them, and I know he's notoriously difficult um, to deal with. But in, but in terms from the fans' point of view, it's good because obviously he's protecting the club's interests. So I think uh, I think clubs are um, are wising up a little bit and digging their heels in. But ultimately, I mean, again, I still think the player is with the players and the agents at the moment. If you've got a player that's in demand, the chances are the club are going to have to acquiesce and agree to the huge amount of money that's going to be coming their way. And if they don't, if you look at Berahino, for example, I'm not totally sure of his contract details, it just kind of feels that West Brom have 
all right, they've made a stand, but it kind of feels they've lost out a little bit on yeah. that. It's certainly less valuable than he was. Less valuable. They've had a player at the club who's not happy, doesn't really want to be there, sat on a bench. Kind of, you kind of think, well, I'm not sure what you gained out out of that. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Other than the moral Take, high ground. Yeah, they, they gained a moral high ground. Yeah, and, and, and what's that worth in football? Yeah, well there you go. Is he down to his last twelve months in the summer, Barry? Hello, Carl. Oh, right, right. <laughs> just, just, I'm so interested in Jim. It is, and, it is yeah. pretty interesting. I have that effect yeah. on the. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just, yeah. It's the eyes. It's Jim's. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want an agent? <laughs> <laughs> I need one, clearly. What was your answer, Carl? No, I was saying, I think Barry Hino's done his last 12 months, isn't he? In the summer? Yeah, is well, it really? Yeah. yeah, I think so. But you, yeah, I think. Uh, oh, no, I'm thinking of the other player, I'm thinking of the QPL player, uh, Austin, who got snapped up, didn't he, for, like, I think they were in the summer, they were quote, quoting silly money, and then he got snapped up a little bit cheaper. Well, what do you make of the image of um, of agents? Because as you said, there's a lot of sincere ones who do look out for the best for the, yeah. for the players. Because I mean, you got um, for example, you got it's about Jay Maguire, but I don't know if you've watched Entourage, but Ari Gold is someone yeah. who she's like the ultimate agent. I mean, what do you make of? Uh, I work with Jim. It's exactly what he's like. While well, walking around the office, Ari <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gold is oh, my fucking hero. Yeah. Yeah. I look like E though. <laughs> <laughs> I got that in America. Someone like lit on the planes going like actually mistook me. I had my hair was a little bit longer. They said like I can't Kevin is it? They, they literally yeah, yeah. thought and I said I don't know what you're talking about. They thought oh yeah okay they don't anyway. But yeah I look about it. <laughs> yeah you do. You do. Fantastic. Yeah, you do. Uh, uh, do you do feel that um, the agents are wrongly vilified? Isn't uh, no. <laughs> no, no because there's enough there's enough um, where where there's smoke there's fire. Let's have it right. Yeah. And, I know, I know of a lot of stories where um, agents have, uh, you know, caned a lot of money and taken money out of the game, which is essentially the game that we all love. So I understand why they get the bad press. And, and, and again, going back to the point, the press aren't really interested in an agent who's doing a good job. They're not interested in a Scott yeah. Smith who's doing a good job for his, for his client. You know, they're interested in that guy who's, who's prepared to take a, um, a big brown envelope of cash out of the game. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. so that's kind of why those guys get the, get the attention they do. Um, and I think, obviously, with the money whirling around the game, Citius, Altius, Fortius, higher, stronger, and something else. Oh, I forgot how it sounded really good then. But there's more and more money swirling around the game. The, it, it tracks these kind of people. Um, course, and, yeah. you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of people, a lot of people out there. Like, I, had my, I had my kneecaps threatened to be uh, uh, shot off for just talking to a player. Do you know what I mean? It's a really? dirty business. Because when you're talking to a player, which is an asset, which is worth a lot of money to an agent, and then suddenly you've got another agent Was it a your arm around him. Do you know, this is how bad it was. I can't even remember who the player was. It was down at... Do you know what? It was probably a Tottenham. I think it was a Tottenham... Because it was Stevenage. It was a Tottenham reserve game because I was at Stevenage. Right. I remember it being Stevenage Car Park and getting it there and the agent... I can't remember who, who the player was. I really can't. Mm. Be honest, we won't uh, tell. No, no. Was it Windy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Windy. I can't, remember, I can't remember who the player was. But anyway, that, it, was, it was kind of, you know, it was that kind of level. It wasn't even a Premier... He wasn't playing the first team. But, yeah, yeah. you know, their, their assets and... Well, when you, you're having your kneecaps threatened, it's not right. You won't remember these details, really, really. No, really. I was like, oh, okay, I'll leave him alone. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I went to Watford, and then I turned down the you like this one. I turned down the chance to sign Ashley Young because because I, did, <laughs> I didn't fancy him much. <laughs> what you actually playing for you now? So the thing is, that, you can see why I'm a failed agent, right? <laughs> yeah, you're all right, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can see he's got some talent, but I'm not sure. I didn't fancy him. He had him. There was him and another little wing called Anthony McNamee. And they were both really talked about. But I had the right back. I had this little right back called Ben Hurd, lovely little player. But he ended up at Shrewsbury, and then Ashley Young ended up Man United. So it uh, kind of tells you the kind of caliber of uh, <laughs> talent scout you got here. But no, um, there's a lot of stories. But going back to your point, I understand why why uh, agents get that bad press. But again. I, you know, 
and there are some horror stories, and I could tell you a few if you wanted, but... Go ahead. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, what, what's the worst thing? Tell us about the worst thing you know. Oh, well, the worst thing I know, and I, this is one I've told before, it's, it's, it's a bad one. It's a bad one. Yeah, um, so when you mentioned earlier when players pay their agents, when as an agent and you speak to a player, um, what a lot of agents do is they say to the player, okay, right, as per your contract, because what FIFA advises take 5% of their gross annual basic, so if they're on 100 grand a week, you're taking, five, you're taking 5K of that. Now, a player, like anyone, players, they want all the money for themselves. So you go to the player and you say, look, okay, I'll, I'll, what I'll do is I want you to sign that contract saying that you owe me that 5% if I do you your contracts. And you sign that for two years invariably. But then what you say is I'm going to try and get the club to pay that on top. So let's just say, for example, you're dealing with Man United or Tottenham because we're a you know, Tottenham podcast. 100 grand, you go to Levy, say, okay, 100 grand for the player and I want my 5% gross annual basic on top. Now, it depends who you're dealing with. If you're dealing with a club who really want the player, chances are they just go, yeah, no problem, Jim, there you go, there's your 5%. Yeah. And, then you won't, won't get, and then the player won't pay for it. Or they might say, no, get fucked. And the player's going to pay for it. You're contracted with the player. He's going to pay for it. Anyway, so back to this story. So um, there was a player and he moved to, oh God, I think I've got to be careful here. He moved to a Premier League club, right? And exactly what happened to Ashley Williams and Rio Ferdinand happened with this player. A player in the current squad... Um, put his arm around the player and said, look, my agent can get you moved to an even bigger Premier League club, one of the biggest Premier League clubs. And uh, the player goes, blimey, I'll have some of that. So he signed over to this agent and the agent said, right, I'm going to move you to this club, X club, and I'm going to make sure the club pay the 5% on top. So don't worry about it. Come with me, son. I'll make sure you're looked after. The player's thinking, Jesus, this is like no-win scenario. No-lose scenario. Absolutely beautiful. So the, the agent then moves, because he knows this huge club's interested in the player, moves the player. Literally, he's been, he hasn't been at this club long. Moves the player to this huge club, and then he goes to the club. He says, right, I want you to pay the contract, whatever contract was, and I want you to pay my 5% to me. And the club go, no problem at all. We'll have some of that. The agent goes back to the play and says, well, I tried to get the 5% on top, oh but I couldn't get it. So you're <laughs> going to have to weigh me in. Now, we're talking about a lot of money. <laughs> now, a few months into the contract, the player starts seeing these deductions from his wage pack. You know, because it's a lot of money, you might not miss it first. But yeah. he started seeing these deductions. For, and it was because it was the club had agreed to pay the manager. But the, the agent had already taken some money from the player. Yeah, yeah. Um, which he was happy to pay because he got this huge big move to this club but anyway so what he'd done is he'd done double taps yeah. so the player calls, calls up the agent and he goes yeah what's this what's this deduction for he goes yeah oh well sorry I'll, yeah, I had to take my 5% he goes but you said the club would pay it. oh yeah they did as well yeah. so he just completely owned up to it yeah. and then <laughs> and then the player called up like the player who introduced him to the agent he said what's going on what's going on he's double tapped me up so the players then called the, the players, the original players called the Yeah, well, you know, I've earned a million quid out of it. What, what am I going to do? do you know yeah, what well, I mean? it's done. It's done. <laughs> you know, I'm on the quid. beach, a million quid out of it. Again, it's just that short-term view. If he'd actually stuck with the player, because the player's gone on and had a, a, a really good career and he's played in several England squad, squads. Um, so hang on, right? He did a short move. He went to a big club and he played in several. Uh, several yeah. So um, <laughs> we should probably not say anymore. But um, yeah, that. Um, yeah, that that's kind of a horror story, you know. But that does yeah. go on. Absolutely. Um, what's the most outrageous demand you've had of of you, or perhaps you've heard of, or have you had anyone like that? You told me about one of the a player, one of your first you had, and he thought he was like Maradona, reincarnate. Oh, they're all like that. Oh, are they? Uh, I think he played for Southend, maybe. Oh, mixed race geezer on the field. I've had a few like that. 
That's where you were talking to. Was, 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 was that conversation where we were talking about this is quality podcasting? Uh, the uh, <laughs> geezer used to play for Charlton at the back, Sam Soji. It Sam was Soji. A part of that conversation. You said there was another geezer who thought he was brilliant, but you had to say in the end you're not that good. Oh, well, I've had a few like that. What uh, was Sam Soji like? For Sam Soji was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and when at the time I was representing him, it sounds like he was taking bungs for putting it in, putting him in his own net or oh yellow God. cards and red cards. Remember, it all come Why out. Why are you saying that? Huh? Why are you saying that? You know that to be true, or you... well, it come out in the pre- it all come out. This is um, this is, uh, this is all yeah. like news of the world. He was like arrested for corruption. <laughs> when? Oh, about three or four years ago. Oh, oh right. Bell, yeah, like for like for getting sent off deliberately and stuff like that. Oh, he no, was like God. a huge Asian syndicate, but it doesn't it doesn't. Oh, I'm not surprised at all because at, at the times looking after him, I would have people call him out, like chasing debts for him. And he just, all he wanted to do was send money back to Nigeria and buy a house for Nigeria because when he was going to retire, that's where he wanted to go. Um, but yeah, what a nightmare he was. He made me pick him up on Boxing Day, take him, pick him up from like a shithole in East London somewhere, um, and then take him to uh, Brentford on, on Boxing Day because his car was broken. and We had to get to work. Uh, we had to get to work, yeah. And I had to take him to, to work. So... And then, as soon as he got a move to Reading, see you later, bye, mate. Really? <laughs> yeah, that. that's what they do. Um, but no, in terms of demands, yeah, you know what? It's not, it's not that bad because most contracts are pretty standard. Yeah. You know what I mean? The players might want a bonus, like they want bonuses and stuff like that, but a lot of that's pretty standard. It's pretty tap-in for an agent. You get team bonus. You get individual bonuses as well, but sometimes they can work against you because if you do like a... You know, like if you play 30 times, you'll get to 29 games and then you'll be sat on the bench. So sometimes they can work against you. So it's, it's in terms of demands, there's nothing really. The demands all come outside of football, Flav. Get me into this nightclub. Get me into that nightclub. They're, they're the kind of demands you get. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not so much money. I remember so. the rumour of Javinho and he wanted to leave Roma and I think the, the move broke down because he didn't get a helicopter or some mad shit like that. Uh, maybe. I mean, Well, to be fair, they're probably top, top-end players and yeah. as you can see by the state of me, I never really looked after that. <laughs> I know, I looked after crap midfielders at South End by the same way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I imagine like that Memphis Depay, didn't he come in like a private jet and stuff like that, yeah. which, is, which is pretty big time. Well, um, you had any dealings with Tottenham at all? Do you know what? I haven't. It's, it's, or any of their players? Um, um, no, do you know what? I didn't. I had a lot of your enemies, guys. Um, mm-hmm. Who's that? Um, what, Arsenal? No, I already have enemies. Uh, what player? Right. <laughs> um, okay, no, well, we did, I was involved in um, a Riziki, the Riziki deal with his agent. Um, oh, that worked out well for them. So. Yeah, it worked out well. But, but again, as, a, as an agent, kind of the idea was to try and get some, some of the youth team. So I had a, quite a few Arsenal youth team players, but none of them really come through at all. I mean, obviously the wastage at, at clubs like that. I mean, I had, I had a goalkeeper who played for England. I can't remember his name. His name was Craig Holloway. Yeah, Craig Holloway. Um, I had a couple. Of, I had a guy, Ashley Proberts, who Jimmy Bullard plays with now in his vets team, and got released from Arsenal. Went to Rochdale, and you kind of think, you kind of think, well, these guys they've got such pedigree, they're going to bounce back. Yeah. But a lot of them don't, don't bounce back because they they're used to training at these incredible facilities. Yeah, they're pinned. Um, and then they go to Rochdale, and, they, and what, what's going on here? I'll tell you one player I think have a bit involved with uh, Phil Eiffel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right back. Yeah, I, I, do you know what? Made Actually, David, like 17. Do you know what? Yeah. I think it's that's the player who I got my kneecap threatened. Oh, really? <laughs> I think it was. I think it that's was. Amazing. I think it was. Um, <laughs> Did you pick him up around, how old was he? Because he made his no, I did, no, I did, well, after that, I didn't represent oh, him. Oh, right, right, right. That was the, but I, t- I did hear a good story about him because, and we used, I, I used to go down to Stephen, because I, I live in Stephen, it was quite a handy little uh, stomping ground for me. Looked at him, he looked a wonderful player. 
up and down. I thought, oh, I really fancy this boy. And then um, I spoke to a, a contact of mine I knew who was a, who was a Millwall chief scout, but I think he'd been at Pat Holland. I think he was involved in yeah, Tottenham Pat for Holland a while. Was rough. Yeah, he was. Lovely guy, really nice guy. I don't know if he's still in football. I think he is, but he, he told me this story about Phil Eiffel. He was in training, and uh, Phil Eiffel did something. He turned around to Pat Holland, and he said, now that is world class. <laughs> <laughs> and like here's Pat Holland who's worked with you know some really great players and yeah. he's got this youngster 18, 19 year old t- and he's not even like tongue in cheek he's saying it like he means it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean and, you, and then when you hear stories like that you think what am I in this fucking game for do you know what I mean you just, the you, thing is you are working with probably some of the worst do you know what actually correct me if I'm wrong they're kept in a bubble they're kept in a, in a, in a world where they don't actually have to deal with that, yeah. some of the problems that other people do well, they've, been the other... Best, they've been the best from like the age of 10 so they've probably been over to school yeah. borough county country yeah. so they go to school and they're revered in school yeah. they're, just they're the best they're an adult and yeah, I've just thought of another player I was involved with. Um, <laughs> this is brilliant. Jack Maghomer. Yeah, yeah. Remember him? He went, didn't he? Didn't he go to? Yeah, he's he's at Burton. He's Orient as well. He's at Burton. I think he burned the, like knocking him in, like left, right, and centre. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. I, 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 I deal with him as well. I think. And it's all gone. No, yeah, and he's. Uh, he well, he, that's kind of another. It gives you another interesting in website. Website. Insight. Another interesting website. Another interesting insight into the business because that's dealing with parents, demanding parents. Now here was his. I think. I only remember his dad. I've got a funny feeling he was like a single parent family. Mm. Again, very had no money at all. And here's the dad who's you know, and obviously loves his son and all the rest of it. But he's you know, he's his ticket out to get out. Of course. Um, and you know, he was asking me to renegotiate his contract, and he was like literally on something like six hundred pound a week, and he wanted to go to like I think top of me at about four or five grand a week. <laughs> and I remember speaking to guys at Tottenham, they're like, you, you are miles away. You are absolutely miles away. But the dad was like, you know, you got if you want to represent my boy, this is this how is the do you, deal. How you do you again. deal with that sort of? Thing? Well, you deal with that a lot. You 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 got two you got two ends of the spectrum. You got the player and their family at one end of the spectrum, and you got the club at the other end of the spectrum. And that's where that's where really a need for an agent is one of the reasons. Because if you get the two of them in a room, you got the club saying, "Well, you know, Jack or whoever the players, you know, you're good, but you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't," and it kind of damages the relationship. Yeah. And then you got the player hang about. You either like me or don't. So that's where an agent is needed to mediate. Uh, to mediate, and you know, a lot of the times, you know, you just want to get a deal done. So you're like, "Oh God, how are we going to do this?" Um, and sometimes, you, sometimes you can do it. Sometimes you can't. Um, and, and, and but I, I tell you what, in my experience, like Sam told you, was a perfect. Like if you if a player's too far away, it's really going to damage their relationship. And in the end, Jack, I can never say his name. Jack, that's probably why he never signed him. But Jack, <laughs> um, he, he'd gone down, but he might bounce back. Going back, he might bounce back. Yeah, um, he's but he's taking, right. he's taking, taking. I know he's got a brother plays for Spurs. I don't know if it's Charles McGoan. I might have a name on. He plays for under. 21 under 19 it's about yeah. 6 foot 7 tall so we, we've got we've got a young really kind of hype talent at Tottenham called Carlos Ed, Carlos Ed? Marcus Edwards sorry Marcus Edwards Carlos Edwards is a different football yeah, together Luton and yeah, um, yeah uh, and uh, he's hasn't signed pro forms yet if I'm, if I'm no, 100% doesn't. right um, the club have a rule of offering the same contract to every player regardless of talent and position mm. Um, hypothetically, if that player's family were putting pressure on the club to sign a different type of pro contract, mm. what do you think the club would be best positioned to do in terms of, would they, would they break, and as an agent, what would you advise? Do you know what I'm saying? So would they break their position in offering every player, regardless of contract, in an effort to keep it, there's some sort of semblance of, mm. of uh, fairness between all the different players? Yeah. Uh, what are you asking what I would do if I was the agent or 
Yeah, what would you what would you do in his agent? So would you would you well, sort of, okay, especially if it's Tottenham? It's, it's difficult because you don't because again going back to your question a little bit. I mean, if you've got an agent, you've got half a brain. You want to maintain a relationship with the club, yeah. so you don't want to upset the upset the apple cart with them. So again, the top of my head, you know what I'd probably try and do there is facilitate a situation where okay, you get the club. Uh, you get the player to agree to sign his contract, but very, very quickly and very, very easily, that player can escalate that contract to to a, a much better one. Based on performance. Based, well, yeah, based. Uh, right, maybe, I see. Not, so, maybe not even based on performance. Based so on, you know, maybe fair. It, it appears fair, but ultimately, in, in six three, months, we three can months, six months time, it's going to trigger a new clause in the contract, which is going to appease the family and appease the club. So there you go. You put me in a situation there, and that's kind of what you know. That's what a good agent would do: find find a solution again without knowing all the facts. Yeah, no, um, we know this might not be true. I'm not saying it is facts, yeah. but I mean the yeah. Daily Ali situation is a bit of a mad one because when he first joined, it's just like a League One, League Two player, and you know now he's playing for England, mm-hmm. banging him in for Tottenham and England. So his agent must be like, well. <laughs> I want to give him the same amount as I don't know another player like Spurs who probably gets a lot more money. Mm. Yeah, and he's probably got other clubs. Oh, and there's one. Well. So if you're yeah. if you're Deli Ali's agent, yeah, what what, what would yeah. your position be currently? Again, I mean, as his agent, you're licking his lips. You're like, oh yeah. my god, I've like, and and not just not just because of what he could do on the field, but off the field. I mean, he is a marketing dream. That boy, and mm. uh, a lot of the brands I know would fall over there, fall over themselves just to, to have him endorse their product. But anyway, that's that's beside the, the point, and I'm going into agent mode fully now. But in terms of contract years, an agent you're licking your lips, you know that here's Tottenham Hotspur who've got um, a history of selling their be- their best players. You know, let's have it right. Um, but they don't really want to do that anymore. So okay, if you want to keep this player, you've got to make sure you're he's top top earner. Mm. And uh, it's difficult because obviously there's a lot more senior, like you know senior players there like Christian Eriksen, even Harry ba- uh, Harry Harry Redknapp, uh, <laughs> Harry Bale, Harry what player? Bale. <laughs> what player he'd be? Um, but yeah, so you you got a situation where. He, but you know you'd be looking for parity as an agent. You've got such a strong commanding situation because if Daniel Levy knows that you, a phone call that I can leave this Tottenham boardroom, all right, you're okay, you're not going to put him on that. All right, well let's see if Real Madrid make an offer, then shall we? Mm. You know what I mean? Let's see if uh, Man United are interested in, in paying him 200 grand a week because you know they will be. Mm. So it puts it, again, it puts the the club on the back foot. Uh, you know, very very difficult situation. All right, you can put him on a you can put him on a bigger contract. And fans say all the time. You hear fans say, "Oh, but he signed to 2015. It doesn't give." Oh, of course, it doesn't, doesn't mean doesn't anything. Do you know what? I, I think no. every, most fans certainly us. We've we become savvy to that and realise a long yeah. contract doesn't mean anything at all. All no. it really means is it guarantees a transfer fee for the player. That's right. Um, what? What? Because you hear what will happen with Ali is he will sign a new contract mm. and then he'll probably sign another one in a year or two. Yeah, and then that will be when the move. Probably yeah. comes up as yeah. we've seen with Bow, as we've seen with Modric, yeah. as we probably will see with Kane, based on what you're saying. Yeah. But um, what, uh, in terms of an agent and how best you can earn your money, is it better to keep on signing? Is it about signing as many con- contracts as you can in a short amount of time and then going for a large transfer, uh, or could you earn as much money in that in signing the contracts every two years for the duration of one club? Because, for example, there's a player like, I think it's Trevor Benjamin. Who's like yeah, yeah. playing for over ten clubs? Yeah. So what does agent make a lot of money? Because he makes no, okay, this moves. is just this is um, a, a good point that comes up a lot of time because a lot of fans are under the the uh, I can't get this word tonight. They're illusion, the, yeah, illusion. They're under the illusion that the agent gets um, a part of the transfer fee, which is not true. Now, what they can get is if you bring this club to me, if you if you bring this player to my club, I'll give you X amount 
money. But in terms of transfer window, it, it, transfer fee, let's say, for example, United were to pay uh, Tottenham £100 million for Deli Alley. The agent strictly ain't gonna, isn't going to get a part of that. What the agent earns his money is, essentially, is the 5% of the gross annual basic. So, again, if he's on, if he's on 10 grand a week, the agent's earning... Five hundred pounds of that. If he's on hundred grand, he's earning five thousand. So you want the player to be earning as much as possible. Yeah. You don't really care what club he's at, really. You don't really care what club what club he's at, as long as there's that high contract and the contract's going up all the time. It doesn't really matter because you're getting your five percent and you're engraving. Well, what about the Harry Kewall situation? I think Leeds got two million out of five, and I think a lot of it went to the agent. Yeah, again, well, again, that, that can happen because. Yeah. Again, what, what happens quite a lot is uh, there was one player who did it happen to? Um, uh, Robbie Fowler. This happened to Robbie Fowler. Robbie Fowler was at a, a club, and I think he went to Leeds. Yeah, he, was, he went to Leeds, and he, Robbie had a long-term friend, stroke lawyer, who was his agent, and he heard he was only going to get his move to Leeds if this agent, this new agent, who Robbie had never spoke to in his life before, was on the deal. He's gone, Robbie's how well, what's, I don't know this guy from Adam. Yeah. But this guy's on a retain, he's on a commission from the club. And the way that works is, again, I should probably be careful, but in other situations it could work that, let's just say the chairman will pay that agent, knowing in five years' time that agent's going to put a lump sum in his, in his, his bank account in a big brown envelope. Um, so I've kind of gone and lost the train of thought a little bit. But essentially it shouldn't happen. Like The, the agent should not take any part of the transfer window. Again, again, but when a player like Bale... Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.